Coming up on the Smitty and Mitty show this week, Mitty talks with Matt Vincenzi about the PGA Tour and the upcoming Ryder Cup, plus NFL and NBA news to kick off the week. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty Mini Show back for another week here across the TSMS radio network and the Smitty and Mini Show podcast. One more week, one more show. The guy's back here in the Smitty and Mini Show studio. Yo, Smith, Tyler Middleton. Mr. Middleton, how are we doing? Should I thank the sponsors first? I should. Gold line, mm-hmm. the choice of champions. Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial in Kincardine. Life is brighter under the sun. Both of those two fine establishments helping us keep the lights on every single week. Hi, Mr. Smith. So, Mr. Middleton. Uh, we are like coming, but we're planning on doing a show next week too, right? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay, it's just you made it sound like one more show. You made it sound like we were closing shop after this. I thought maybe I missed the email, missed a memo somewhere, but. I love yeah. how there's no argument. It's just, oh, I missed the email. No, I was just wondering. I was like, hey, if you say we're done, like, oh, it. It, it doesn't sound like there's a fight happening. It sounds like it, it was decided and we're moving on. Uh, well, the, the upper management made the call, right? It just so upstairs, your mom and it, dad. It just, it just trickled its way down to us here. Your mom and dad on the maid floor, they made the decision. They made the call up here and they said, basement, you're shut down. And that's that. <laughs> Uh, so joining uh, joining myself a little bit later is uh, Mr. Smith with wedding things going on wasn't able to join me for the interview this way this week Matt Vincenzi is going to join me he is a golf uh, writer with WRX Golf he's going to join me we're going to talk a whole lot about uh, the Ryder Cup which happens in just a couple of weeks one of the most exciting golf times uh, on the calendar of golf Ryder Cup Masters pretty much the only two things that I think the non uh, golf yeah, fan gets, average, gets excited about i feel like here up here north of the border at least uh i felt like a fair amount of people watch the canadian open i could be wrong in saying that um and i don't just mean like obviously the final putt i mean like the actual like whole tournament itself i feel like it got a fair amount of eyes up here um but yeah the big ones uh i feel like even at the open gets watched a little bit up here mm-hmm. but definitely masters yeah. Definitely Masters and definitely Ryder Cup. The problem with the with the Open is obviously the time difference. I I, I haven't taken a look at because it's uh, the Ryder Cup happening in Italy this year, and I I didn't take a look at what time they're playing over there. If it is going to be you know bright and early, super early in the morning here, I, I have no idea. It's got to be. Well, they're gonna, they just got to play so much golf. They literally play from sun up to sundown. So. Uh, there will be a, a time to catch a little bit of the golf here at a normal time, but otherwise you're going to have to get up early. Uh, but the reason, I think one of the reasons people watch the Canadian Open the past couple of years are because the huge news that came out of Liv and PGA both years, uh, it just became a very interesting tournament in that sense. And we're going to talk about that, or I'm going to talk about that with Matt as well, because we haven't had a chance to uh, get an update on the merger or to get his thoughts on uh, the the original merger of the the origins of uh, when that was announced. So I'm going to talk to him about that here coming up in just a little bit. We have a whole lot of sports to get to, though. Um, a couple of things that I, I specifically wanted to get to. Do you, do you want me to just go with it, or do you have something you want to talk about? Or what are our plans here? What are our plans? That is uh, the motto of this show. Obviously, Ryder Cup golf, that's something you're going to tackle. You sent me a whole list of things today about stuff that mm-hmm. uh, you wanted to get to on the show. Uh, talk about the NBA and some load management stuff. We could talk some football. NFL season is in full swing. Lots of stories through week one, some upsets, some uh, upset fan bases, and of course, some uh, some big injuries. So we could talk that, um, and of course, let's like, do let's do feel, let's do Blue listen, Jays right here, now. Let me. No. You're gonna do Blue Jays right now. I was let's gonna do Blue Jays like right We're now. gonna take 15 minutes to Blue Jays in the back half of the show. But that's why but, I want to do it now. I want to give okay. ourselves a cutoff so we're not just rambling for 15 minutes because you we, know damn well we, we could talk for an, we could right. talk this entire hour right section yeah. on the Blue Jays. So, so then at least we have a chance to talk about other things. And, okay, well we've got about seven minutes left here in this opening segment of the show. So 
let's go ahead and let's talk about those Toronto Blue Jays. So I'm, uh, as we talk here, game four of the Ranger series um, is currently underway. And the Blue Jays getting booed off the field after game three. And I, I'm not a huge fan of booing in the first place, especially your own team, but I think rightfully so, because not only it's frustrating that not only did they not at least win one of the first three games in this series, they didn't even put up a competitive fight in any of those three games. They weren't even, I was, I finished watching those games in the fourth inning, pretty much all of them, because it looked like the Jays just folded and kind of gave the, the only guys that looked like they wanted to be there were the Buffalo three. Well, I was going to say, it's the guys that are still somewhat fighting for spots in Major League Baseball, right? Those are the only guys that seemed like they were playing for anything really over the last couple of weeks. Like the Jays got through and everyone talks about how that that road trip and those stretch of games against brutal baseball teams went well. But did it really? Like, what was it? 10 and 5 over 15 against terrible baseball teams? If you're a playoff team, that really isn't that good of a record. Like well, I don't know if we can count. That? Can we count Cleveland and that? I think I think your your real stretch was your last ten, and you went seven and two in those last ten. I think that's pretty respectable. Um, I think that's that's what you needed to do. Like you're against MLB teams, you're not going to win every single game. The, these guys can still sneak out wins here and there. I think they played very well on that road trip. The problem is when you come home to a competitive series in front of your own fan base, and let's not mention the fact that where is everybody? There is nobody at the Rogers Center for what's a huge series against the Texas Rangers. Well, listen, I've saw I've seen so many comments online about. Uh, first of all, these are all excuses when people say these things. Uh, schools back, you know, people don't want to be taking their kids. Listen, if people really thought this team was something special, there would be forty thousand people in those seats. Like, there is no doubt about it. Uh, you go back to those playoff runs in 15 and 16. The stadium was packed on weeknight games because people knew that team was special. I think all year long, we've kind of had this feeling like this Jays team wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like, it, like this Jays team was good, but they're just missing being great, if that That's makes any the sense. The crazy thing, though, is that the building has been full on Wednesday night. It has had 40-plus thousand on weeknights. And I kind of refuse to think that school going back is that big of a deal in a city that that houses 2.5 million people. Um, if I was to live in those city boundaries, I would be at a lot of James games, even on weekdays, especially in the in the new era. You're, I mean, you're home by 10 o'clock at the latest, really. So unless you have, like, five-year-old kids, which I just happen to have – then I see no problem in going to a game on a weeknight, especially in a team that you think is going to compete, especially in one in a big series where um, even your who was it, um, Ke- uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, yeah, who called out pumped, the fan base the basically, fans. yeah. So I I don't know. It's just it's kind of embarrassing that nobody's there, but it also is um, rightfully so that nobody's there when they're playing such crap baseball i think you're missing out on a lot of um kind of last minute ticket sales right i mean if the jays go out there and they win that series opener i think there probably would be another five thousand butts in the seats on on the tuesday night game right if they go out there and they win the tuesday night game yeah i think that wednesday night game sells out a whole lot more than it did but the fact of the matter is they didn't play well in the opener they didn't play well at all in the tuesday game in the wednesday game they were flat out brutal Right. I haven't looked at the game here on this Thursday night as we record right now, but I would mm. not be surprised at all if there's under 25,000 people there, because why would you want to watch what we've just had to watch the last three nights? It did look like there were more people there for game four. It looked like it was fairly full, um, but you get it's a Kevin Gosman game, Nathan Abaldi on the other side. That's a big game. And, and yeah, I think you're just a little more draw in the Thursday night. Maybe some people playing skip or hooky on a Friday. Like, I don't know. It did look a little more full. Um, but, I mean, the, even there, the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finally hits the ball hard, hits one into the second deck to give the Jays a lead after Corey Seager uh, hits a home run in the top of the first to, to put the Rangers on top. And then just immediately, there's a bunt single, a walk, and they pitch to Seager again, and he drives a ball to left field that 
what Maryfield gets to and drops. It's just like it's like they don't want to win these games. It's 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 like they have plans in October that don't involve baseball, and they're just they're getting way too close for comfort. And they figured we got to lose this series because some of these things we just haven't seen all year. We haven't seen a pitching staff be this bad. Granted. Texas lineup is very good. Oh, it's one of the best offenses in baseball. For sure. But we have not seen a Blues, a Blue Jays bullpen or a Blue Jays rotation look this bad all year. I think six runs by Kikuchi in game three was the first time in 80-something games that the Blue Jays have done that. And I bet you can guess who the last person to do it was. Yeah. Hey, listen, I don't think the Blue Jays um, have played themselves into a spot where they, quite frankly, deserve to be in the playoffs. They need to down the stretch. I think they can go with maybe, and once again, we're recording this Thursday night. They're down to like, they can't lose five or six more games without it having to be real tough to find a way. They don't have the tiebreaker against Seattle. They don't have the tiebreaker against Texas now after this series, right? So they're going to have to be better than both of those clubs or at least one of those clubs. Um, I don't know if they hold the tiebreaker against Houston or not, but they do. um, it has just been like the Jays, they're going to have to go on a run against the Yankees and the Rays and the Red Sox. And uh, I just, I, I don't see it happening. I really don't. Well, the Okay. So the, the brightness at the end of the tunnel here is that the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners play each other six more times before the end of the year. That's huge because somebody's got to lose those games. Yep. And they're only, as of right now, as we speak, a game or a game and a half back of Texas and a, I believe, a game back of Seattle. So they're they're right there. It's not like they've dug themselves a hole in this series, which they easily could have. Giving themselves a little bit of a lead uh, was positive. And I think Seattle losing to Oakland in one of those games is big too, at least. But the way they're playing right now, it, it, playoff baseball is not around the corner for the Toronto Blue Jays. They need to start hitting the ball hard. They, they need to, frankly, play with the urgency that Schneider and Clement are playing with right now. Blue Jays have a series against the Red Sox before on the road against the Yankees and the Rays, then home to the Yankees and the Rays to finish off the regular season. It is going to be tough, but uh, we're in it for the ride, and hopefully the Blue Jays can uh, pull themselves together a little bit. We're going to take a break. On the other side, Mr. Middleton will join Matt Vincenzi, talk a little bit about the PGA Tour, some golf, uh, everything all going on in the world of golf. So that'll be on the other side of the break. You're listening to the TSMS Radio Network. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. All right, welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Just Mitty here with you, along with writer for Golf WRX. It is Matt Vincenzi. Matt, uh, appreciate you hopping on with us or hopping on with me, talking about some golf. A exciting couple weeks here, and we'll uh, we'll catch up on some stuff we didn't get to talk about a little bit uh, a little bit further back. But thank you for hopping on with me tonight. Absolutely, glad to be here. It's been a little while. Uh, it's been crazy busy in the golf world, so a lot of stuff going on. But uh, happy to finally kind of catch up and go through it all. Yeah, and we'll start with something that we didn't get to talk about uh, that happened oh, months and months and months ago. And uh, every time you're on, we have to talk about Live Golf. And they made it real easy for us to talk about with this merger thing that happened. And I feel like for the first two weeks, we heard everything about it. We, it, it was top of mind, top of topic for every talk show. And then it's kind of slipped away, I think, into the background. Um, first, let's get your reaction to what it was like when you first heard about this merger. Yeah, I mean, it's at first, I think I wasn't alone. Everyone had like a prank. I was like double-checked to make sure it wasn't April 1st. 
um, because just the sides were so contentious and it seems like there was so much hate involved on both sides. And all of a sudden we randomly hear the news that, that they reached a deal. Um, so, I mean, to me, it kind of came about because I think it was a really tough situation for the PJ tour for Jay Monahan. Um, because of live, they felt that existential threat and they decided to raise their purses and do all these things to appease the players. And then all of a sudden they realized, well, we're going to run out of money really fast and they needed a new way um, to make enough money to, you know, keep up and i think they kind of felt like they're between a rock and a hard place and they made the deal yeah and i don't know if i'm wrong to to thought that because the timing's weird right because as we sit here there's still no official deal done like there was the rumblings there was talkings we kind of know what was happening uh but kind of my feeling was that it was either going to get leaked or some someone knew something that the pga and live didn't want to get out on not on their terms and it was just easier for them to kind of let a half story go than then wait um and and have you know one of the reporters drop does that kind of make sense to you i think that probably is accurate uh i think they probably figured it was going to get it one way or another and they'd rather you know control this story before the story controlled them type of thing um and then you i kind of thought there'd be a flurry of information coming after that and then it turns out there wasn't and i think the big hold up here is now the doj is getting involved saying wait a second you know if um if a foreign uh, private investment fund wants to come and almost take over as a chairman of a uh, a PGA tour, then we need to, you know, investigate and see kind of what's going on. Um, and I think the statement he made today when they kind of announced a big, you know, part of it um, was saying you can't have it both ways. So he, this is what he said today. He was um, Richard Blumenthal. He's um Senator, he said, the Saudi's public investment fund cannot have it both ways. If they want to engage in the U.S. commercially, it must be subject to U.S. law and oversight. Today, I'm issuing a subpoena for the documents related to the PIF's takeover of American golf. Um, so big thing was Yasir didn't want to come and uh, testify, which he didn't have to at the time. So now they're kind of basically forcing him to. Um, and it could be bad for everybody involved. I mean, there's definitely documents. Um, I'm sure on both sides that could be damaging that they don't want it. But if you go to court and all of a sudden you hear everything that that's said and you know, they could get, it could get ugly. And I think one of the biggest things that would come out in all this is I don't think Jay Monahan's hands are kind of clean here. I think there's probably a fair chunk of money coming his way. And after months and years, like a, a, almost a year of telling players to, to trust the PGA, to stay with it, to not take the money and bounce. It just seemed like he was the hypocrite. And we talked about this forever. And we weren't the only one that talked about it, that it seemed like he just kind of folded and did exactly what he told the players not to do. And players that stuck with him, you know, Rory being one of them, he kind of stabbed them in the back a little bit. Yeah. You froze out. I didn't hear how you, how you ended the um, end of the question, but, Rory, I mean, Rory is, uh, he kind of forgave Jay pretty quickly. I, I thought the next day he was going to bash him, but he said, Hey, you know, if this was, it takes to, you know, to move forward as a, you know, I don't like where the money comes from, but we have no choice and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think he's talked out of both sides of his mouth a lot. Um, and he's been kind of praised as being this outspoken, um, guy and, you know, always so honest and, and thoughtful, but I think he's, he's kind of, gone back and forth a lot more so than anybody in this scenario and maybe it's because he was unfairly placed as that you know the poster boy of the pj tour and i mean maybe he was getting paid to be that i i'm sure he probably was a little bit um but yeah i mean the, the, most of those guys probably feel a little bit betrayed they didn't take the money um but that being said i mean I, I it's hard for me to feel sympathy for them because at the time everyone's faced with a decision and you know that when you're making that decision that this might not be in your financial interest. And they all said that it, it wasn't about the money for them. It's about legacy. And so you can't now backtrack and say, well, wait a second, you know, we, we want more money. We want to be made right, which is some of the guys said. So, Hey, you made your bed, bed, you sleep in it. The decision you made, you made these live guys are getting plenty of backlash. So, you know, it, everyone needs to just be happy with their decision and move on. Yeah. I think the, the, the real hardship would come when you're playing next to a guy who did take the money. It's not like they took the money and they went somewhere else. It's now they're playing on the tour with you and they got that money. I think that would be the yeah. biggest problem. Right. But I don't even well, know if those live players would want to come back to the PGA. I don't know if they'd want to, you know, put themselves in front of those American fans like that again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a really big point that's not talked about enough is the, is people assume these guys want to come back and play, play on the PGA tour. And I don't even think it's about facing the fans. I think they're fine with that. I think, the, the biggest thing for them, it, it's 
they don't want to. I mean, they're getting paid much more money now for a lighter schedule. And why do they want to go and grind on these PGA Tour events unless it's one of the big ones or a couple of the big ones? Like, I'm sure there's a couple of guys who would like to come back and play three or four events. And I'm sure there's guys like Patrick Reed who, you know, want to play a bunch of events because that's just who they are. But um, I do also think guys like Cam Smith said he's pretty much content. He's playing in the Australian PGA and the Australian Open, and he has a schedule. He's 18, 20 events. Uh, and then the majors, I mean, including the majors, probably 20. And he's fine with that. Um, and I think the other top guys, DJ doesn't want to go play in the PGA Tour. You might get the lesser guys, um, but, and, and you know, like some people said, well, they got to come back and go to Q school and go. Th- Most guys aren't doing that. I mean, you might get some of the young guys like a Puig or, or Chikara or these young up-and-comers who want to, continue to play and play 30 events a year you might get those but those big stars aren't coming back so the biggest question too is what happens you know the government's getting involved here as you said and i think there's a good chance that if they don't make it really hard on the saudis the saudis are kind of just going to drop out because it's going to get to a point where they're the american government's going to be getting into their uh, personal belongings their personal records and stuff like that and they don't want that Uh, but also for the american government i don't think they want they don't want that that door to be opened, right? Where now all of a sudden this this fund group can come in and buy an NBA team and an HL team uh, and make more money on American soil. So if this deal does not go through, which is a possibility, what would the PGA look like? Like we talked, we kind of talked about this before, um, just messaging back and forth. But if the deal doesn't go through, then we went through all of this and the egg on the face of the PGA losing millions and millions of dollars on lawyers' fees and and everything else, let, let alone purses going up and all that, just for nothing to happen. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I and I think that's part of we didn't we I didn't touch on it when I just talked about it a few minutes ago, but that's another reason why they kind of wanted to settle was because uh, they didn't want all their you know, stuff being aired out in court and they didn't want to continue to play legal fees. So that they probably just felt like they had to go and settle. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's, that's obviously a big part of it. And then going forward, that's even a bigger part of it. Both sides don't want all their stuff being aired out. So if the deal doesn't go through, um, I think we're kind of in the same place that we are, uh, except, you know, so they're back to a nonprofit, I would assume, or they're looking for, you know, backup investors or, I don't know. And we've already seen a lot of some of the bigger sponsors on the PJ tour drop out because now they're kind of a Lord and peasant system. And now they got the top 50 and all these big elevated events. And then they have the bottom, um, you know, whatever it is competing for spots in the fall. It's it kind of, it's, so it's kind of creating like a, a two tiered system of the, you know, those top 50 players and then everybody else trying to become one of those top 50 players. So then the PJ tour is going to look different either way, I guess. Well, I mean, let alone if you're one of those players, and they've stabbed you in the back once if the live comes to you as soon as this deal falls through and says okay now we're going to give you the 100 million dollars oh, yeah okay i'm going because the yeah. pga has already proved to me they're not going to have my back right yeah i mean th- th- that's true the question is now what guys are left and are, would live still want to pay them um right now while the deal is in limbo i think there's kind of a um, mutual understanding not to pluck guys from the pga tour and also i think that would be even more shady for the DOJ if you know you started making deals between each other. If you supposedly, you know, if the PIFs, the a huge investor in the PJ Tour, now they're taking their players for another one of their entities. It just looks terrible. So I don't think that will happen. But if it does fall through, it could. Question is, I think the guys in the top fifty now are in a really good spot because now they have no cut events where they're getting paid guaranteed money, which is what the guys in the live wanted to begin with. And I also think they um, are playing a, a, a lighter schedule. And just the events they want to play. Uh, and then the guys who didn't, yeah, live could be interesting for them, but there's really not too many very good players left. Um, you have guys who didn't make the top 50 last year who aren't exempt for this next thing are JT, Adam Scott, who already basically isn't going. Because um, from what I understand, that deal was that Cam Smith took to be the captain was originally offered to Scott. Scott was on the fence for too long and then came on the open and they gave it to him instead and scott was not gonna go there to not be a captain um who else i mean there's really just not too many big names that didn't make it the pj tour the depth has really fallen off all right let's rotate here let's make a shift because we're about halfway through uh this interview here somewhere along there something coming up here soon is one of the most exciting i think events that golf puts on and it's the Ryder cup and i don't know it's just one of these events that golf is such like an individual event every week 
that it is interesting to me when you get players playing for their country slash their continent. Um, and something that means so much, especially especially to the Europeans, it means a lot to the Americans, but it means uh, even more to the Americans. What does it feel like to you leading up to the Ryder Cup? Does it give you like these little butterflies in your belly? Oh, absolutely. I, I, the Ryder Cup is awesome. I think you do lose a little bit of that shine this year with all the guys who went to live because they were kind of the backbone and the heart and soul of that European team, the Sergios, the Polters, the Westwoods. Uh, so, you know, you do miss that a little bit especially when the, when the Americans are allowed to have Brooks play and whoever else they wanted to play. Um, but no, it's, it's still going to be great. Uh, you know, European team has dominated on home soil for a long time, but America still goes in there as the favorites. Although I did bet Europe, uh, Europe at plus 185, it's already down to plus 120. So there is steam coming for the European side. People are starting to kind of, you know, get on them and, and realize that they're a really good team. And I think one thing that's kind of being underlooked is a lot of people say, oh, well, the Americans want to pound the ball as far as they can. And um, Europeans can set it up in a way that makes it difficult for them, tighten it up, make grow the rough out. But this isn't the same European team. Like I just said, there is no Sergio Polter. I mean, now you're looking at guys like the three best players, Rom, Rory, and Victor. They, they want to play an American-style setup. Um, they want to bomb it out there too. So I think it's kind of a new era in in the Ryder Cup, especially with the way Victor's been playing lately, rising up to the top. And then, you know, even Matt Fitzpatrick likes classical layouts. He's a long ball hitter now. So won a U.S. Open. So, you know, I, I think the European team's in a pretty good spot. Let's talk about that European team since we're on it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but just for people who are who are uh, listening here, top six in the in the world rankings make it, and then the, the next six our captain's choices. Um, so when you yes. look at this American or when you look at this European team, uh, what's your overall feeling and thought about them? Is there anyone who you're excited to see anyone who you're surprised to see as part of the captain's picks? Well, a lot of people were upset about Moronk not being picked Adrian Moronk. Um, he won the Italian open this year at the course of the Ryder cups being played on. He won three times on the European tour. So a lot of people thought he should have been picked. I personally didn't have him on my team. Um, I, and I think I was one of the only ones. My team was exactly what Donald ended up picking. So I was very happy with the picks, although they weren't. And the American side, I was happy too. I thought JT, even though he had a bad season, I'd put him on, give him the benefit of the doubt. But, um, you know, one of the guys who kind of drew some um, blowback before he won was Ludwig Aberg uh, from Sweden, who was just an incredible player. And I think he's going to be a top five, seven player in the world within the next two years because he's just that talent that he's like a generational talent. So that's why I was going to put him on anyway. And then he goes and he wins um, on the European tour a couple of weeks ago. So that made the debate for people who didn't want him harder. They wanted them to earn it, but I think he's going to be great. And I think he's going to be um, a big factor in this Ryder cup. A lot of times you see rookies sit and not play as much and uh, kind of go on the back burner, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think because of his skill set um, and his talent level, I think they're going to put him with Victor or Rory and let him go out there and play four times um, and, and, you know, swing for the fences and hope that he can kind of come through on that talent. That was going to be my kind of my next question. A lot of young guys, obviously with, like you talked about the live players and, and some European turnover, if you will. Um, how important is it to you to get those young guys out on the course early? Is that something that they should be looking forward to doing to get those jitters out? Or would you rather have those experienced guys out there and uh, kind of let the, the younger guys kind of ease their way in? You definitely want the experience for the Ryder Cup. I think that's the way they've gone for so long. Like when they brought Poulter with him, I think he was 18th the last time they chose him as a, as a captain's pick. He was 18th in the Ryder Cup standing. So that was for the veteran leadership. You pick Lowry this year who didn't have his best year for his veteran leadership. Um, I think it's rare when you want to get a young guy playing there a lot. I think a lot of people kind of speculate you might bring Aberg with you, let him play just the singles, sit, get it, be a part of the experience. He's probably going to be, be a big part of it for the next you know couple of decades. Um, but I think they kind of are in a spot where they got a, they have a lot of veterans and they have a guy with all this talent. And I think for the most part, they're going to sit the younger guys. Like I think Rob, Bob Max sits a lot. I think um, Hogard uh, sits a lot who, who to me was between Moroccan and Hogard, who they would take. I think he sits for most of it. Um, so I, I think he's the only young guy that plays and they put him with a veteran, like a Rory um, or even a Hovland who's not a veteran, but it's just unbelievable. Um, and, and kind of let them guide all the way, especially with their skill set wise. Like they both, they, all three of them hit it long and straight, um, which is really ideal for alternate shot when you guys have a similar style of game. So I think for the most part, they'll take it easy with the rookies besides Aberg. Uh, so that's kind of how I envision it going. 
yeah uh the 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 course and the more specifically the country and, and continent is where this Ryder cup is played is a has a huge effect on uh, at least historically on who wins it like why do you think that is and do you think it's just like do you think it's just the fans and how crazy it can be especially over in europe or is it just kind of like how the course is laid out the players are more comfortable there's a whole lot of factors but what do you think the main factor is towards home you know home course advantage being so big in the Ryder cup so historically for me it's because of course setup so they have the choice to set the course up however they want typically europeans are more accurate they don't hit it quite as far as the americans Um, you know, they're really good around the green, you know, better short game where the Americans kind of historically have just pounded it out there at 330 as far as they can, like the Bryson DeChambeau style, um, which didn't work when he was in when he was in France. So I think that's been the strategy. Tighten it up as much as possible. If you miss the make sure if they miss the fairway, they're they're in trouble. Um, so I think they're going to do that, you know, for the most part again. And I, I said the top Europeans don't want to play that way. But back into the roster, maybe they do. And I, I do think the teams are built more similarly. You got Fleetwood, who finds a fairway a lot. You got Fitz, who does. You got Rose, who's kind of a shorter hitter. But now the Americans, you know, they have guys who, you know, they bring in Harmon with them. I don't know how much he plays. Ricky Fowler kind of finds a lot of fairways. Um, it's not your typical American team, and it's not your typical uh, you, um, European team. Xander, Cantley, those are guys who all find the fairway really, really a lot. So, so that's part of it, the setup. The Europeans feed off that home energy. You talked about their camaraderie and how they seem like they're more of a team. Um, and they, they're kind of just buy into that narrative so much. And they're, they're so together. They, I saw an interview about Lowry talking about them. They all drink together, like all nights of the Ryder cup. And, um, if you even just saw it recently, they, both teams took a scouting trip to Italy. Uh, everyone on the European team went and like three guys didn't go for the U S team, one for personal reasons, one birth of a child, whatever. So I just think they are definitely more bought in. And then when you get the crowd behind you and they're all, and usually they're better putters too. And a lot of times match play comes down, whoever the best putter is. So I think that's also a big part of it. When you look at betting on these events, do you kind of, do you look at the overall, do you look at day by day? Do you look at individual player, uh, individual matchups? How do you approach betting when it comes to the Ryder Cup? Yeah, it's a great question. So originally the day after this is, I can show you my bet receipts the day after the 2021 Ryder Cup, I bet on Europe plus 185 because I, because American just, beat the shit out of the Europeans 19 to nine at home. And everyone, I knew the narrative was going to be, yeah, Europe has, has owned the U S on American soil, but, um, but now, you know, this U S team is just too good. They're just too good. They're too dominant. They can play any type of style you want to play. And it's true to an extent. Um, but you know, now I knew once we got closer to the actual event, the narrative is going to start to come where people are going to say, you know, Europe is good. I knew Hovland was going to have a great year, all those things. So I thought that was the best time to bet them. And it turned out that it was. Um, so there's that, uh, which is just, you know, one bet. But then the other way you're going to do that is top scores. So I'll, I'll bet a top score or two from each team. So that's kind of a really fun bet to make because you can kind of map it out in your mind. Uh, who's going to play with who and how often they're going to play and who they're going to send out with foursomes and four balls and who might they put out, you know, in the single first or whatever. So it kind of gets you to start thinking about um, the way it's going to be. Um, I, I hit Dustin Johnson who went five and zero a couple of years ago for that one. Um, so I think that that'll be an interesting way. And then you, and then you each night break it down, bet on the matchups. You can bet guys from both teams, um, you know, matchups from both teams, singles, Bet the whole board, see how it goes. I know it's probably tough before we see matchups and before we see pairings and all these things, but any players that you would specifically keep an eye on to, to put some money down on guys that you think will just perform well at uh, at this year's Ryder Cup at this particular course? Yeah, so it's great because it's not just who you think will perform well, but it's who you think they're going to pair with who. Because, and I mentioned this earlier, if Aberg plays with Hovland or Rory, which I think he will, that means he's playing four or five times. And if you can get a guy who's a rookie, or if you thought Hogar was going to play a lot, um, and you think they're paying, pairing them with the top guy, you know, if Rory carries Aberg and they win the match, he still gets the points. Aberg still gets the points. So you want to try to find a guy, not only who you think is going to play well, but who you think they're going to pair with somebody who isn't sitting. Rory's not sitting. Vic's not sitting. Rom's not sitting. Tommy's not sitting. Fitz isn't sitting. Those guys are playing every 
they're playing five matches. So you need to find someone who's playing five matches or at least four. Um, so that's, that's the first step. So if I think Aberg's pairing with him and he's priced like he's a rookie, he's priced like he's the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th guy on the team. That's the guy I'm going to bet. Um, I think the books are relatively sharp to that right now because I was looking at top rookie and Aberg is five to one, which I did bet. Um, cause I do think it's a good bet for top rookie. Um, but you know, I was thinking they might throw eight or nine or 10 to one out there, but they, but they aren't Aberg is a guy I, w- I would target for top rookie, um, top overall score. Um, for me, American side, I'm looking at Cantlay. I, I don't know what his price is going to be. I can't imagine it's going to be that good, but he's a guy who's going to go all five. He plays great with Shoffley. I think you can go either one of those two guys. You have a good chance at, at cashing that. JT's a riskier one, but he might get five. If he, if he wins his first or first and second matches on the first day, he's probably playing five. Um, so those two, JT, Spieth, you could look at because he's, he's going to be playing with JT. Um, those, and then Scheffler, if you like that. But he's a guy I would avoid because I don't love him in this format. And I also think um, I don't know who's going to pair him with, either Burns definitely burns some, a little bit, but Clark or Harmon, I, I don't trust him as much in that scenario. So in the U S side, I'm looking at that Xander Cantley pairing and then that, um, Spieth JT pairing and then European side. I like, I think Aberg fits, you know, Tommy, a guy that they, you know, is going to play all five, but you know, Rom and Rory going to be tough to bet. They're going to be, you know, two or three to one. So. You know, what's funny. What's funny is I was actually kind of looking today as I'm doing some prep and, and looking at this European team. And I actually thought Aberg and Roy would be extremely fun to watch. I think that would just, that would be a a pairing that I would, I would, I mean, I'm going to watch it all anyways, but I would specifically, you know, put aside time to make sure I just, the old guard, the young guy coming in, I just think it would be really fun to watch those two. Oh, it'd be, it'd be amazing. And, you know, a lot of people think about the European side, and I've alluded to this in a couple of different ways about that tight course, but off the tee at Marco Simone, historically, and they, they'll set up a little bit differently, but for the Italian open off the tee has been the most important stat guys who hit it long and straight three, la- three winners at Marco Simone have been McIntyre. He's a long hitter. He's not really considered that straight. Nikolai Hoygaard, who, you know, is going to be on the team. He, he absolutely pumps it. And then Moronk, who, who also is a long hitter and all of them gained at least three strokes off the tee. Moronk gained six this year when he won. So, off the tee is gonna be really important. That's why Aberg, if he uh, he didn't qualify, have enough rounds to qualify, but if he played enough PGA Tour rounds this year to qualify for the strokes gain leaders, he would have been top five in the in the world in strokes gained off the tee. And that's with Rory, Rom, Hovland. Like he is, that's his elite skill set. So I think putting him with a Rory or a Vic, you know, or maybe even a, a Rom, which I don't think will happen, but the first two who are just so great off the tee, I think it's gonna be a, a complete perfect pairing for them. All right, that's about all the time we have here. So Matt Vincenzi, golf writer with WRX, joining us on the Smitty and Mitty show. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on. We got to do this more. We got to. I love talking golf, and we just don't get a whole lot of time to talk golf. So we always appreciate you jumping on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. You're listening to The Smitty and Mitty Show. Smitty and Mitty Show back from break. Matt Vincenzi on the other side of that break with Tyler Middleton. Thank you to Matt for joining me, golf writer with WRX, talking about everything Live Golf merger and the Ryder Cup. I feel empty when I'm not with Noah Smith, but I also feel like I get the questions I want to ask out. You know what I mean? Sometimes I have questions at the tip of my tongue, but I'm like, you know what? I've asked four in a row. I got to let Noah jump in here for two seconds. But when you're not there, I can just flow a little bit, and I appreciate it. I miss you, but I appreciate the uh, the chance to just ramble. Well, I always appreciate when you can pick up the interview when I'm unable to make it there. 
Um, and with the big news of the engagement, apparently now you've got to start planning stuff. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, there was stuff to do and the interview got bumped up uh, about an hour and I was unable to make it. So I uh, thank you for picking up the slack of your co-host who apparently has more important stuff to be doing. What what was it food related? Like what? what oh, yeah. We venue to, related? We were trying to pick out the buffet stuff. So, oh, that's you know, super. I, important. You know, I couldn't miss that one. Right. Like. <laughs> No chance. You were just, you were on your, your first, your fifth try of something. And you're like, no, I still don't think, I don't know if this is right. We got to keep going. Well, she was going through and now she's talking about the dessert pies and she just named off like six pies. And I was like, yes, those all sound delicious. Like all, all strawberry rhubarb. Like we also, strawberry have, rhubarb like we also have cheesecake and carrot cake. And I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be at all of them. It sounds great. <laughs> can we get six of each? right like i'll take them all <laughs> the nice uh no we're not getting into what the best no pie no is. food we got we got to get i feel like we've already done that uh okay so the nfl kicking off last week and the monday night the bills the jets supposed to be one of the biggest games of the year on a monday night to kick off the season in jets land and it lasts 11 minutes before aaron Rodgers blows his achilles and is out for the rest of the season. His fourth snap of the game before he goes down with what at first they thought was not a super serious, maybe an ankle injury. Um, but yeah, the MRIs, everything comes through. Achilles, gone. Rogers, gone. Four snaps into his Jets career. There was a couple of things watching it. First, the way he went down and the way he was just sitting there, I think... At least I immediately felt like something was seriously wrong. Yeah. I felt like it wasn't just he rolled his ankle. It wasn't just like he it didn't even look like he was in a super amount of pain, at least not physically. It looked like he was in a lot of pain emotionally. And it looked like he was in he had a lot of disappointment across his face. I think he knew that at that instant that his year was over. Well, you're if you're an athlete, you know on some of those things, right? Like um, I've never had it to me personally, so I can't talk to that. But from everyone that's had a serious injury, whether it's an arm injury or um, an Achilles like this or something like that, you generally know you're like, that doesn't feel like athletes have sprained their ankles before. They know when they've sprained an ankle, they know when it's different. And obviously you could tell by his reaction that was different. And then when he gets up, he goes into the tent and he's obviously getting medical attention and I think when he got onto the cart to ride the 12 feet to the locker room, that was a huge sign that something was seriously wrong. And from, you know, hearing interviews with guys who have blown their Achilles, I, I heard that the one and only test they do basically is you lay on the table, they grab your calf. And if your foot flexes with the calf, then you're good. And if it doesn't, then it's torn. So it would have been minutes after him laying on that table when he knew that there was something very, very wrong and something that was going to need surgery, like a year's surgery. And I wonder too, if that's just the end of Aaron Rodgers, because that's going to be, now he did put out a tweet today as we were speaking saying, and I don't even know if it was a tweet, it was a comment um, saying that, you know, he's ready to be back for the next year and blah, blah, blah. But why when you're, when you're at that age and you have 39 that pedigree, he's, he's 39 years old right now you're, you're going to come back at like, at some point, when do you just like, I don't want to say give up, but like, when do you call it a career? You know, well, just I the amount of work that will have to be put in to get back into physical shape to play NFL football for one year. Is it worth it at that point? And what's left to prove? I wonder if it's just kind of that pride that, you know, he left the Packers. He kind of put his whole reputation on the line by leaving the Packers to go to the jets to be, this big figure in New York sports and he lasts 11 minutes. I wonder if he, there's just this feeling of disappointment and um, that he let a fan base down. He let multiple fan bases down in one calendar year and he just yeah. wants to get back to see but if I mean, he can you do can, that again. Like it's an injury, right? Like you can't get mad at a guy for an injury. Um, like I feel like you can at least. And listen, I go back to like, what does he, what does what Rogers have left to prove? Like why, why put your body through that? Like, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Why put your body through that to come back? Uh, it's not like he's chasing a Super Bowl, right? He's got a Super Bowl. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's got an MVP. Why, why put your body through that? Unless, obviously, you just you love the game, I guess. But that's a lot. 
and coming back from this injury at the age of 40, that's going to be a lot. You know what I heard? I heard that a lot of, oh, actually a lot of the uh, sport books refunded the, the future bets on Aaron Rodgers and on the Jets. Yeah. Does that, that, that's strange to me, right? Like that seems like a slippery slope. I saw, I actually didn't see the thing about the futures bet. That surprises me. Um, I saw about like the bets that night. Like if you bet an over yardage or something, um, they either gave you the win or refunded you depending on, on what you bet, which I can understand for the game. The futures, like I'm surprised. Cause like, that's the whole point of betting, right? Like guys will get injured, right? You're just going to hand out refunds every time that anyone that gets injured that might affect this and this and that. That's my question is that when you're handing out refunds like that, is it just like, apparently it's because he literally had no yards. He was actually negative yards Um, and they didn't give. So if you had the under in anything, then they gave you the win. If you had the over, they gave you bet credits to go back towards uh, future bets. And it wasn't just like they gave you the win and they moved on. And from hearing smart people talk about it, when they give you bet credits like that, they don't have, they can kind of put it on the books as marketing money. So it doesn't have to go down as a loss or gain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a way to them to keep people betting and not, you know, have to uh, have well, to just well, give yeah. people the loss in a bad let me, situation. But let me tell but you my problem is who, like, let what, me tell what, you from a guy who rides off bet credits a whole lot. They're still winning in the end. My problem is what if Brees Hall tonight, or if he would have been the one to go down a quarter in, like, what do you do that? Because that's a huge, loss for that team as well like is it just because it's Aaron Rodgers with so much behind it like I don't know I, I know so. it, it's strange. It's, definitely, it's definitely part of the recipe right part of the mix um is that it's Aaron Rodgers and that it happens so quick right I think you're into week two now maybe it's a little bit different I don't know like I really don't know yeah I do I sorry my uh my mute button won't work there how much time do we have do we have time to move on because I want to talk about the NBA really quick yeah, we got about five minutes left here. Okay, so, the NBA. so in the NBA, approved this week was the a rent, a load management rule by the NBA where you are not allowed to sit more than two all-star players or to sit more than one all-star player at any time. I want to talk about that. And something we haven't got to talk about actually that is big news as well is the in-season tournament that they are putting in this year. And I wonder if either of those things really strike you as going to be a game changer for viewership. Cause that's solely what they're there. For. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The star player thing to me is a little, I get why it's there, but I wonder how they'll police it. Right. Do like, do you have, do you know, like, do you know the answer to this? Do you have to say, yeah, this guy's my star. This guy's my star. Does the NBA say, this guy's your star, this guy's your star. Like, how does that work? Like, who is a star player? If I have a rookie who comes in this year and lights it up and I want to rest him at the end of the year, is he a star player because he's had a good year? Like, how does that work? From what I understand, it's all-star players, players who have got all-star designations. That is to my understanding. But there are ways around it. I mean, LeBron James comes in, he plays 40 seconds of a game, and then sits down for the rest of the game. That yeah. counts as having started that game. He's active. Well, and who's... If somebody's, if somebody's injured, then you're allowed to sit out the game. I so was just going to say, doctors... who's, who's stopping the team doctors from saying, oh, exactly. he's got a migraine, right? Yes. Or his, his yes. ankle's hurt or something, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the team doctor can say, oh, no, he's got... He's got a sore big right toe tonight. Like he yeah, can't play. He should be back next game. Yeah. And they, the NBA still has the right apparently to to come back and say, um, we have an investigation into this, or no, we don't believe you. We're still gonna fine you. But what are the fines? I, like it's like a hundred grand or something like that. Well, nothing yeah. to an NBA team to have your bad. star player happy. If like if you're LeBron James and you want to rest the last five games of the regular season, I'm sure he'd pay that himself to rest right like who cares at that point they're making so much money i i, I wonder how it's gonna I, I i wonder what teams are gonna actually follow along with it like i feel like we, we're already talking about ways you can get around it they i'm sure they've already thought about it right and then when we look at the in-season tournament like is that really going to make a difference like are you going to sit here at the in-season tournament game and say oh the raptors are playing Cleveland in an in-season tournament game. I'm going to make sure I pay attention today. No, nobody cares. The, the the team doesn't even care. 
yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's I know what they're doing. I know they think it's going to work. I just don't know if it is, right? And maybe it'll get tickets. Maybe people want to buy tickets to go see it. I just don't think you're going to increase TV viewership over these in-game, these in-season tournaments. It's just, it, it seems like a silly, like, minor sports way to go about it. Let alone, I think the prize money is something like a million dollars split up between the team. Like, chump change for these guys. They get more out of shoe deals. Like, is it? I don't think it's going to make, if it's not going to make a difference to the players, then why would it make a difference to the team? But the end, or to the, to the fans. But the NBA has a huge issue here because there is a problem with viewership has been down significantly over the past. And I'm talking 50% in NBA finals significantly. Like, this is not good. And they're trying everything to try and fix it. Well, and I think they'll eventually they'll eventually find some way, right? I don't think this is the way that it's going to work. Um, but look at Major League Baseball. For years and years, Major League Baseball was seeing their their viewership drop in their premier events in the playoffs, um, and they finally figured out a way to do that in maybe a way that we didn't think was the right way to go about it. But it ended up working out, uh, and it worked out for Major League Baseball. I'm sure NBA is going to find their way to get the viewership back up uh right against the uh, wall for time here we're gonna go to break we'll finish off the show on the other side you're listening to the smitty and Mitty show here on the tsms radio network even though i just gotten a new job that paid well i still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected my sun life advisor encouraged me to do three things get health coverage start paying back debt and build a safety net when i got my cancer diagnosis my advisor had already helped me become debt free with enough set aside for emergencies When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. All right, welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network, as well as the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you are tuned into this week. We are wrapping things up here on the show uh, for yet another week. Thank you to Matt Vincenzi for joining Mitty. Uh, they talked some PGA golf earlier on in the show uh, and went through uh, with the Ryder Cup, everything going on, uh, everything new with the Live and PGA merger. So thank you to Matt for hopping on and joining us as our guest on the show this week. Thank you to our sponsors as well. Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun, helping make this show possible every single week. We will have more sports content coming our way next week here on the show. We look forward to seeing you here. Look forward to seeing you here on the other side of the airways. Uh, from Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton, and the Smitty Mitty Show. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.